Welcome back to Project Canary. Um, shall we just jump into it? Oh, yes. Yes, let's just jump into it. BA2 is not mild. Omicron BA2 is not freaking mild. Not in any sense. I don't even know what's going on with it. Tell me what's going on with it, Matt. <laughs> what's going on? Have you seen the numbers out of Denmark? So they dropped all mm -hmm. MPIs, all protections for six weeks. And now they have nonstop deaths that are higher than even when wild type was out hmm. hong kong Excellent. hong kong is getting decimated and they have a ba 2.2 which is even more scarier than ba2 hmm. and their sample population is showing what happens when the majority of them are not double vaxxed or boosted and their deaths are astronomical what right. is what is Denmark's vaccination rate like? Do you know? It's, it's high. It's high like okay. South Korea. Like South Korea is 60% boosted. And their numbers are horrible. Like it's mm. happening all over in Asia. It's happening in Europe. And and here's Canada going, we dropped all masks and schools back after spring break. It's insanity. It's but insanity. Mel, it's the repeating pattern that we've all seen before that... This couldn't possibly happen here. Oh, we I mean, here. our population is so special and different and full of unicorn shit that we sparkle with rainbows and we won't have a wave six like everybody else. The pandemic's over. Didn't you hear? Apparently, uh, that's the memo everyone got because I bought tickets for Monster Jam this weekend and you know, I was predicting the waves and seeing a bit of a lull. We did not see BA2 come out of nowhere. Okay. So this is what they were basing their assumptions on. They were like looking at the waves. I know people that went, flew to Disneyland for spring break. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, no one's wearing a mask in California. And I was at Monster Jam in the Pacific Coliseum. And I got to tell you, more than 50% of families were not wearing masks their children were not wearing masks and it was a va vaccination pass only event so and i'm in there with my goggles and a full uh half face piece respirator elastomeric respirator right from 3m and we have the neosh filters for organic vapors and like stuff like like you could walk into a TB unit and be fine. That right. kind of so my whole family had one. I started having people like were looking at us weird, but then the moms approached me and started asking me, like, why are you wearing that? This is a everyone's vaccinated. I'm like, do you I, I had to stop and have a conversation with another mother? And I'm like, are you not aware that even though you are vaccinated? You can still get infected and you can still develop long COVID. She's like, no. She's like, I thought if my child and I are vaccinated, we don't catch COVID at all. And that's when the light bulb aha moment hit me. And I realized the disconnect in understanding the comprehension in the population is that people truly believe that if they are vaccinated, if they are boosted, that they are untouchable, that mm -hmm. they cannot get sick, that they cannot spread the virus. They were under the impression that when, you know, mass mandates off, 
the pandemic's over. And this is not the time for masks to come off. And I, I don't even want to talk about masks anymore because masks are not even sufficient now. Everyone needs to be wearing respirators, right? N95s are technically respirators. Mm-hmm. You know, um, anything above an N95, whether it's a elastomeric respirator or mask, cloth masks, and even surgical masks are not efficient at all in keeping you safe from a virus with an R0 of 12, like measles, that Omicron has. And this message has been completely left out in communications to (laughs) the public. People are not aware that you must up your respirator game now and you have to up your PPE game. And right now it's easy to get, you know, if if our 12 listeners are listening, like, Guys, if you haven't already gotten yourself or secured yourself some KN95 masks or N95 masks or even a half-face respirator, now is the time. The bonkers part is, Mel, is that, okay, two things related to this. First, I went to the Edmonton uh, Telescience World this weekend. How was that? It was lovely, and my Mm -hmm. son loved it. However... We were at a science world, mm-hmm. and 90% of the people were unmasked. Whoa. There's no sort of vaccine requirements in those sorts of establishments, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Masks would be lovely. Um, so it was, like, sort of back to normal when we were there, and we're there in our... Um, Vitacore masks, like the N95 quality ones, the white ones, and people are just staring at us with the biggest bug eyes, like we're the craziest people on the planet because we're wearing our masks in there. And I go into the first part, which is the health section, and I'm looking around, and lo and behold, at the end of the health section exhibit, like hidden behind the back, facing like the back wall where nobody nobody will look is like the air quality index section oh shit (laughs) and i just laughed so hard (laughs) i'm like yep that would be where they put the air quality index section talking about air quality index and climate change and that sort of stuff so change the language that they use the the reliance on the word um endemic you know it it prepared people for this change and this is exactly what they were moving towards right and we all saw that it was frustrating to watch it's frustrating to live and it's going to be frustrating when people are surprised by the deaths that come right that that when it's not over or when a new variant comes that sort of sweeps under us it's what what will be our excuse then right Remember we had this conversation a while back. How about we're like, where's the tipping point for people to get the cognitive connections and really see the connections? And we we were saying, you know what? It's probably going to have to take mass graves and a mass death event for people but Mel, to make that connection. I was looking <laughs> at the pictures in Hong Kong. Yeah. And the hospitals with, was it, was it there, the hospitals with the bodies that were lined up? Yeah, yeah. In and the same was, room as living people. Yeah. Yeah. Just bags and bags. Yeah. And I, it was like, holy smokes. They were yeah. not like that that long ago. No. Right. Will no. it take that here? Is this what they're hoping for? I mean, how can the people who are in power right now 
be so oblivious to what is happening out there unless it's because what, Mel deliberate intentional. Okay, I want to hop to a different subject rolling off of that, which reminded me of it um, in terms of power dynamics is that people often only want to help as far as it helps themselves, right? And we've talked about this a lot and that it's always shocking for me and uh, something I'm grieving that most humans are quite selfish and something I see my work all the time and it's still hard for me to accept. You know, I, I want the world to be different. Um, and I, I don't know if you saw the incident that occurred uh, with uh, Real Talk, Ryan Jesperson, this past week. I saw him apologizing for something, but I wasn't fully uh, aware of the entire situation. Cause I'll make it really short, but uh, Ryan brought on a guest that I think some people weren't happy he brought on anyway. And from my understanding, you know, this guy was just talking about stuff and, and maybe was making some comments about reverse racism towards uh, white men with fragility and yeah you know anyway Sarah was saying something and came in on the conversation one of the producers the same one actually that got me on the show when I was there which is why I was paying attention to this is because okay. um, I I've followed the show actually since I was a guest on it mm-hmm. and this this guy uh, bit into Sarah bit and Ryan did not sort of intervene hmm. And my husband and I were talking about, you know, what does it mean for an apology? And, like, what does that look like? And why does it matter for men to step in? And I'm like, you need to stop and think why it's important for men to step in in that moment. And let's flush that out. And I said, if I'm in a meeting and the thing that we know always happens to women, which is another a man interrupts us in the middle of us, you know, talking about something... Who has the most power to get that man to listen to us in that moment? Another man. Another man, right. Because if we say don't interrupt us, we're going to be told we're a bitch or yeah. we're emotional or we're, they were just joking. They didn't mean it. It was the wrong word choice. They didn't mean anything by it, right? Don't be so sensitive. <laughs> right. The things we've literally heard to belittle us a hundred times over every time we've had that conversation and tried to stand up for ourselves. So you're correct. In that moment, the person with the most power is actually another man to check that man and say essentially like, yeah, that's not cool. We don't do that here. Like we're equal. This is, you know, a woman on my show. She's a producer. She's a smart woman. Don't interrupt her. And be part of that conversation instead of standing by, watching it happen, and then sort of apologizing with your words after and not making any change. So this is where I'm interested to see where this goes, is that I now want to see what's next for this show and for these interactions, is that it's really, really easy, as we've seen, to say the right words, right? Mm -hmm. But real activism and real justice in terms of social justice is not easy right it's so hard uh standing up for groups standing up for the the people that have been treated poorly doesn't often get you good reactions in privileged society because privileged society doesn't want to open itself up 
So when you're truly going for these things and truly trying to make equality, oftentimes the reaction to you isn't a positive reaction. And that's just the tough part of this world, as you well know, Mel. <laughs> and you, it, it, this is what we come to time and time again throughout the last two years. And, and the theme of my life is like, you can't just have your values when it's easy. When it's convenient for you. Right? It, ma- it matters most when it's hard. It matters most when it's uncomfortable. It matters most when you're still using that value with somebody that you really care about or you want to impress and that you still hold that value. So, you know, people and men can can say, and or white people for non-white people, right? Like, you can give any sort of power or hierarchy here is... You can use all the words you want and, like, say that you're changing your life. And that's good. Like, any change is good. But if when the times are hard and you are actually watching those incidents occur and you don't step in, you've missed the point. The reason why white activists at protests involving race often step in the line in between those of color and non and the police officers is because we're less likely to get assaulted. Mm-hmm straight up and we need to put our bodies on the line to actually stop this right and and those sorts of questions of of what does it mean to have that value what does it mean to live that value and it means that even when it's hard that you're still doing it right that Mm -hmm. even as we're watching the world swirl around us in chaos and and wartime and invasions is that we still do the right thing Stand your ground and not be afraid to stand your ground. Right. Because, you know, when we think of, like, World War II and and the things that we learned in the Cold War, like, the thing that we were supposed to have learned is to stand up to fascists, like, to -hmm. do something. To do something and just say enough. I was uh, watching Zelensky's show was now on Netflix, Servant of the People. And it's surreal to see him on my TV and Ukraine fully intact. Okay, because it's now Kiev and Mariupol is decimated right now. Uh, but yeah. you see, see the, the, the town, you see the city that was thriving in 2019. And so surreal. It's like our timeline took this horrible dip in 2020. To this irreversible shitstorm that we're experiencing right now, you know, and and you watch the show and you see Zelensky and he's not a big man, okay? Like I've mm-hmm. there's there's footage of him standing next to Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise looks like a big guy next to him and we know Tom Cruise is not a big man, but he's literally right now, and this is not you know hero worshiping or anything. This is just stating a fact. He's standing up to the world's bully right now. Oh, he's what democracy's standing on right now. Yes. We're expecting him in Ukraine to hold the line for us. Yes. And he's fucking Frodo. He is literally fucking Frodo. Okay? You you see him and you're watching him in the show and he's and you know he can dance. Like he won Ukraine's <laughs> Dancing with the Stars, the Ukraine version. Got skills, he's talented. His father was a professor, his mother's also like another academic. Like he's smart. And he's a lawyer, right? And like, Jewish. I don't. And I want Yeah, he's Jewish. Yes. So I don't know this Russian disinformatia who's saying that he's 
he's a Nazi. It's just the most ridiculous thing. His grandfather was the one of four brothers that didn't get murdered by Nazis. Well, right? and I will, I'm not going to do what, you know, some people do, which is just say, there's no Nazis in, in Ukraine. Yeah, there are some Nazis. There's also tons of Nazis in freaking Canada and yeah. in the United States. And yes, there's the Azov's Battalion. Yes, they have some Nazis that have tried to get into the government, just like we have too. They yeah. only got like 2% of the vote, friends. It Like, it, it's wild to watch people and the hypocrisy they apply to other places and in pursuit of just denying the things that we do such as you know what North America has done in the pursuit of the wars against the Middle East and now how we compare that to Ukraine and Russia and and Taiwan and China and refuse to stand up for those things because we know we do the same things but it's the othering it's the othering and we talked about this in our last podcast how even reporters are trying to reconcile their biases while reporting because they, they're not understanding how this could happen to a nation full of blonde hair, blue eyed people. Because they've othered all the other crises and of all the other humanitarian crises. They finally connect to this one for some reason. You know, but this is the othering. The thinking that we're so exceptional, the thinking that it doesn't happen to us, that it doesn't happen to our kind of people, right? And it, it's echoed in everything that we do from our domestic policy, our foreign policy, and the way we even manage COVID. Like our failure to be able to have foresight and see the trends going on in the rest of the world and not be proactive. Well, and not even melt. For me, this is what I've been stuck on the last little bit. And when we first started the podcast, I talked about this a lot more. And it's always in my mind, but I don't talk about it as much. Because, honestly, most people in person around me don't care about COVID, if I'm honest. (laughs) Um, Is that the damage we've caused to Africa as a globe with the the inability of them to get vaccines in the same way that everybody else did, the complete disregard that we've shown to their well-being as a, a, a continent um, and as peoples is actually mind-blowing um, in terms of we... We, North America and Europe and, and you know, those sorts of rich countries have prioritized our wealth and our way of life and our lifestyle over the actual lives of like entire continents they're not even building the safety net to take care of everyone in these wealthy countries so what makes you think they're going to give a shit about the africans well and they colonialism And this is the role model they've been. So, of course, many of our people are just like them. They are spouting this individualism, freedoms, uh, and lack of recognition that being in a community, being in society requires also responsibility. It also requires that community uh, freedom. You know, if you're talking about the freedom where you get to do whatever you want, that's also freedom without law, right? Mm-hmm. That someone can just kill you in the street and nobody's going to 
going to care. Is that really the freedom that you want? No, that's that's a Mad Max reality. Right? By being in a society, we take on responsibility to one another. We've made decisions to take care of one another in ways. And we've we've had a government and decided as a country that we're going to take care of those that are vulnerable. Um, but we're we're not doing that for sure. We've we've changed. Um not because we weren't already on this path, but because the pandemic really accelerated those sorts of individualistic timelines that we were already on. And this really um, capitulated us into free fall. I was reading an article this week from the UK Mirror about Leo. He's like this healthy 20-something-year-old, early 30s, and he caught COVID. And a year later, he's developing these weird symptoms where his autonomic and central nervous system shuts down. He blacks out at work and pees himself. So he like literally has seizures and passes out. Mm. And now he can't work. He has to work at home because he and he's scared to go out because he doesn't know when he's going to pass out. You know, but these are long COVID symptoms that and neurological stuff that no one is talking about. Not enough people are taking this seriously. You know, oh, and the they... neuro stuff's been around since it started, right? Like, we yeah. saw people having dementia-like symptoms with wild-type COVID. We knew that. Yeah, like, losing your sense of smell is an early indicator of dementia, right? And we know people were losing their sense of smell. And it's making a comeback. Only BA2 symptoms this time is more gastrointestinal, right? You're going to get barf it's it presents as like a really bad stomach bug well and i see people that are acting surprised that it's gastrointestinal and i'm like we've literally known about the change in symptom profile for so long i know it's so frustrating to watch the outcomes of the poor messaging as an individual and know that we knew this stuff, but we had no way to really do anything about it. And I'm yeah. still frustrated and in that place of frustrated that, you know, could we have done something different? And, and that's not my responsibility. And I can't take that on. But it's just it's it's, you know, it's mind boggling that uh, we've done such a disservice to our own population with misinformation. It's going to be horrifying to see how this plays out because BA2 is already here in BC and Alberta and Canada it's here it's not mild we're going to see what's happening there's reports of kids getting like necrotic tissue rashes like really bad like autoimmune stuff where like their flesh is rotting well and they um, stopped tra- they stopped giving us anything related to MISC-C quite a while ago right and yeah. and god knows if they're even tracking it right like I I truly it's so hard to understand the data in in BC and Alberta in all of Canada. These are the exact systems they should have beefed up, right? These are the things they we talked about that we should have had a robust testing system. We should have had all these things built in for stamina, and those also would have provided good long term jobs for people, right? But instead, we drove our healthcare system into the ground. We burned everybody out. We took away the um, surveillance systems in any sort of capacity. And we're going to act surprised when things don't go well a couple months down the line. It's it's tragic, truly. It's in 
as usual, the most tragic piece is that those many of those that are impacted are the most vulnerable and have tried so hard to keep themselves safe. Yeah. But Mel, people have to work. Yeah. People have to send their kids to school. Yeah, especially when you have no choice reading reports of parents that have been trying to shield their children and now they're getting phone calls from social services Mm -hmm. or their teachers are calling them in and saying hey uh, your kid's super behind well i had one of my friends on twitter a teacher share about a therapist that essentially told them that you know they're paranoid and and you know didn't care about masking didn't care about any of that and that it's you know And it makes me so angry (laughs) because people don't owe you an explanation of their disability or their risk profile. And people have decided that if they're okay with risk, that they should start berating and having problems with other people that aren't, which is exactly what we knew would happen given the communication that the government has been having. So it's not surprising it's really frustrating and it's a tragedy. It is. It's a tragedy that our most vulnerable are getting harassed, are not able to wear masks of proper quality, going to cancer appointments, are harassed trying to get their groceries because they can't bullied. afford to get their groceries delivered. Right? It's it's cruel. Is extremely cruel. Removing of masks in BC with less than 24 hours notice was the most, yeah, I'm going to use the word abusive thing that this public health office has done yet to the population. Well, Australia moved their masks about two weeks ago. What did they just do, Mel? Just put it back on. Oh, what a surprise. Yeah, You know, and I see, you know, there's, I see the organizations and I'm not going to name whatever organizations, but, you know, coming up with plans to keep these hybrid models for working from home. But you know who it's always for? It's for management. Yeah. It's for upper, upper level management administrators that are now able to work from home. But the people I know, the front level clinicians frontline clinicians they're you know working still double triple shifts they're still working from home sick just to keep things going and they're expected to keep that pace up to to keep that work going we can't keep this going no people are people were hard hit in in January, February with COVID when we opened up a lot of things in Alberta and BC, right? We saw lots of healthcare systems get really hard hit. There's no guarantee that's not going to happen again. And our systems are both Alberta and BC. Our EMS systems are a mess. People having to wait forever for an ambulance. Oh, but like, you know, like people who've been harmed and like laying in a puddle, like like yeah. older folks like waiting for you know half an hour hours like yeah. you know simple things like the length of stay 
for patients in inpatient units is getting shorter and shorter and we kick people out sooner and sooner so that we can free up beds. Do you realize the tragedy of that? That that folks are having to leave the hospital sooner. The most resources for the most vulnerable that they're going to get is in the hospital. At the moment they leave, they're at risk for a lot of these vulnerable people. A week extra in the hospital is a, a huge thing. And we're not even considering those sorts of losses when we talk about these things. No, because they're not counted as COVID deaths, right? Well, and it's not like they're testing anybody anymore. No, there's no tests. There's no, there's no documentation. There's nothing. Like, and they've closed the vaccination clinics here in BC. Right, so, so think <laughs> about this. Even if the variant's hitting us hard and like, we see an increase in deaths or whatever, but they're not going to surveil anything anymore. How would we even know that? What if this becomes like the number one killer of our seniors, like 60 over? Are we just not going to be told that? Do we just not get to know that? This is just an acceptable um, tolerance to death now that we have for COVID. We're going to throw in overdoses, throw in COVID, and those are just the disposable, dispensable deaths every day. Well, my, that's why I'm, we're wondering, like, is it going to have to take it to get as bad as Hong Kong, where there's people in body bags lining up on the floor for people to be like, hey, they're not telling us how bad this is. Like, is our government really going to let it get Well, so and Mel, bad? why does it have to get up to bodies piling up in the hospital? Yeah. Why is 10 people a day dying of COVID of our seniors, of our vulnerable and when I say vulnerable, I mean our house cleaners with diabetes, our uh, seniors who would have still lived another 15 years, uh, children who would have, you know, lived through a preventable disease that gets sick. It's outrageous yeah. that we've just assigned this into the acceptable um, sort of harm cause because this is harm cause. This is the government saying there's an acceptable level of disability that we're going to allow and continue to allow without any intervention or action on our part. Like the reports of people being really sick after the last Canucks game is starting to emerge. Mm -hmm. We're going to see huge numbers in the next two weeks. Will we? Because that's the thing. Well, if we're not even testing, Mel, if people have been told that they don't need to test, that if it's just sniffles, don't worry about it, stay at home, right? Like, we're not going to know until the disability starts hitting until we get to the hospitalization part again. We're just, it's so stupid. It is stupid. And we still only have five days of isolation when BA2 is the most infectious and won't show up on your rapid test until between day six and nine. I don't even think we have isolation in Alberta. Oh, really? You guys got rid of that? Yeah, this in BC is still like five days, but you got to go back in five days. But the thing with BA2 is you're still infectious and contagious day six to nine, and it's evasive on the rapid test, which now they've finally released. So thanks for giving us these tests that don't freaking pick up this virus. Is like, was that the plan? Thanks. I just don't think they, they, it's not that they don't have a plan, Mel. They're, they're unwilling to adjust the plan, regardless of the changes that have occurred, right? Like, they've done the same thing every time, regardless of how 
bad or not bad the wave was. They literally are just so inflexible and certain individuals that maybe like some certain shoes and have some attention-seeking qualities uh, really liked their plan and still spins it as this, you know, schools were open and we did the best without talking about the drastic numbers of children that got infected in those time frames when she was doing all those things, the things that we calculated, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's... It's just, it's horrible to watch the outcomes of it now. It is. And this is just the tip of iceberg. Oh, I I agree. I think that we're going to see the role of COVID in the vascular system coming real fresh now. I think that... Oh, yeah. I think we... (laughs) There's been this weird thing of, like, well, Omicron's, like, not respiratory, so it's not bad anymore. And I'm like, man... We so are limited and simplistic in our understanding of things. And that's really coming to haunt us because God knows for the, for maybe Omicron was silent and like hitting our cardiovascular system or something. And, and now we're going to see heart attacks and strokes and stuff like that, which in anecdotally, I would say it's, I feel like I've, known more people in their 50s and 60s lately that have been experiencing those sorts of things without um, the history of that. 40-year-olds are dropping dead from heart attacks now after Mm -hmm. having had COVID infections, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Well, and you see that in the celebrity cases too, where people, every time a celebrity drops, I look at whether they had COVID recently just to see, um, especially when it's heart attacks and that sort of stuff. Haley Bieber. Alec Baldwin's daughter. She had a mm-hmm. blood clot in her brain. Yeah. Right? Like, the, the virus causes blood clots. It's not a common cold. Right? The, this virus causes necrotic tissue rashes. It's not a common cold. It causes cardiovascular, endocrine, immunological damage. It kills well, your T cells. Is, no, we just don't it's even not know. A cold. We don't know because we haven't been watching it for that long. No. It's it's bonkers that we've sort of opened ourselves up to it while not knowing. We 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 just have no idea, right? Like this idea of endemic. They made it people feel like we were turning this into um a flu season where it was just going to be gone for a large portion of the year and then we'd have like this wave in the winter, right? But that was still the thing of of equating it to like a flu when it really is nothing like a flu. But also they said this and did spin this narrative and do still spin this narrative saying the lowered numbers. But they also took away all the surveillance systems. They completely restricted testing to very, very select samples and then still use that information to say cases reduced. It's so stupid. But it worked, Mel. And that's what makes me so fucking mad, is it worked. Yeah. Everyone has been fooled. I mean, saying that it's just like the flu, it came from the Trump administration. Absolutely. It started there, and it hasn't stopped in our provinces that have GOP connections. So the only difference between what Canada just did in terms of removing everything and what Trump did is the timing. The timing. Is that we decided at some point that, well, we we just weren't going to deal with this anymore. Yeah. 
that we were done dealing with this and we were just going to take everything. That is literally what Trump did. They're letting the virus and the plague wash over the masses, just as Trump had said. Okay, and we know all the stuff from what's going on with Trump. So you got to kind of like, what the hell is going on that we are we are just sitting here passively because Canadians are so damn. We're so polite. We're so, you know, passive. We're, you know, we're so docile. Yeah, we passively watch the vulnerable die. Yeah. Because we convinced ourselves, oh, no, we're not like that. We're better than that. Like, what will be our excuse when we're in the exact same position next year, Mel? When we're at two years of this podcast, what are we going like, to... <laughs> how, how do we not just copy-paste, like, 2020, 2021, 2022. Like, why are people not understanding? Because the human brain under stress does not function well. If you do, you have not been existing with these same levels of cortisol and stress in your body for mm-hmm. as long as, say, me and you have, where we just have adapted to it. Um, your body oh, technically they're... shuts down, right? Like there's no higher. Well, and they're desperate thinking. to get out of it, right? Yeah, and so they'll believe anything. And I think probably why people who are so against masking get so triggered when they see people wearing masks is because it reminds them that their reality is not driving with the reality that's really out there, and that to them is triggering because deep down they know. That's cognitive dissonance, right, Mel? Because it makes them so uncomfortable. If they're right and we're wearing masks for no reason, okay, what does it really matter, to be honest? Like, what do you care what I have on my face? Um, However, if we're right and they're not wearing a mask, they know they're an asshole. And in danger. And when you're in danger, what is your... Right. Most go-to default emotion, anger. Right. Um, and it, and anger often is like our boundaries being crossed and those sorts of things, right? And it, it it's individuals experiencing us simply wearing a mask as threatening to their worldview, right? Yeah. That that we're we're genuinely like threatening that they're not caring, that they're not, you know, valuing other people by or wearing themselves. the mask. Because, yeah, because that's challenging that idea, which is in no way what we're really, we're really doing. We're trying to just simply protect ourselves. Yeah. Um, but that's where conflict often starts, right, is in where the assumptions lie. Mm-hmm. It's a cognitive dissonance. It's a visual reminder that they may not have a reality or be living a reality that they want to be living in. And to many people who have had their lives a certain way who are very used to living very comfortable lives to see that visual reminder it's threatening Mm -hmm. it gives them the sense of justification you know but all the science is pointing that this is not the way it's going ba2 is a monster BA22 isn't even like elastomerics is the way to go. The problem, Mel, I foresee is what are we going to do if it gets bad now? We can't put this jack back in the box. No. Um, you know, all the sort of division that was stoked and the problems that we had, they 
they really validated those that really wanted this over in a way that it's going to be really hard to make people believe it's an issue again. Yeah, there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube, as they say. Uh, you know what? I actually used that as a physical example once with my son when he was a teenager. Yeah. It was actually, it was about me. It was about saying uh, some unkind words to a classmate that he had said. And I used the toothpaste example about our relationships with people. And once you do things like that, right, you can't just put it back and make it normal again. No, um, there's no going back. Yeah. And he, he loved that one. So I love that one. But it's, yeah, people... I think it's going to be real hard if we get hit with a wave that's bad and, and we get put into a situation where we have to have um, like a much higher level of restriction. Psychologically, I think people are really, really going to struggle with this societally because of mm-hmm. um, the way the government has sort of communicated about this. And I don't fault people for that. Again, um, do I think people are making choices um, that are selfish, yes, but I think most humans do that. So I'm not going to fault most humans for doing that. Um, and I also think that when you have influential authority figures telling you that that's okay, that everything in the research has led me to believe that you're going to tend to lean into that, not lean away from that. And that helps you foster um, that belief. So when we have our own authority figures telling people that it's okay, it's really hard for me to argue that they're wrong. Because in their perception, it isn't. Oh, well, I mean, this all goes to authoritarian experiments by Milgram, right? Being Absolutely. told what to do. And even though you're like, no, that's not right. I shouldn't zap that person. But they still do it anyway because someone told them. If authority tells you it's safe, you don't need to worry about a brain-eating disease, a, a virus that destroys your T-cells and you later, like HIV, and you later develop AIDS like symptoms, which is long COVID. And they had explained it like that. Like people would take this more seriously. I'll say what I said in, I think, probably April of 2021 in the podcast, which was, you know, I didn't like saying it then and I truly don't like saying it now. And a lot of the time I'm I'm genuinely thinking I hope I'm wrong. (laughs) Like I hope I'm proved proven wrong on everything. Um, is that the, these omittings are simply there as a function to boost the economy as quickly as they can before it gets shut down again, right? Like, we've seen yeah. that over the summers. We've seen that over, like, right now. It's been great. Right now. Right now. <laughs> like, when travel happens, right? Like, they take these time periods where they think that, you know, it's been low enough for a while and they can sort of shove in all of this economy driving stuff and then they'll be able to um, tamp it all down if another wave comes. Um, but as we've seen, our our healthcare system is not faring well with no. this with this pattern. No, and it's just going to get progressively worse, right? The fact that they're trying to frame this as endemic when really it's not, because technically, since they've said it's endemic since this year began, we've already had several waves. We've had Omicron, BA one, when we have BA one point one, now we have BA two, and and BA two point two is up on the horizon, which is the monster. And, and now the new research paper that I was just referring to was is from Nature magazine. And that's about T-cell death. Apoptosis. Apoptosis. Thank you. That's the T-cell death. Like, if that doesn't scream alarm bells to you when you hear that and realize, shit, I shouldn't let this rip. I shouldn't allow myself or my children to get repeatedly infected by this virus because it destroys their immune system and their T-cells like HIV. 
then damn, I don't know what's going to make you stop and think, hey, maybe, you know, I should probably, you know, up my PPE game and wear a, an elastomeric respirator because uh, stuff is not okay. It's looking bleak. Yeah. And every time I hear that, I think two things. I think it is looking bleak and I think it's only looking bleak for some people. Yeah. The ones who can't protect themselves. Right. Because I know lots of people and, and that's a function of my sort of job. Um, so I know lots of people that are academics, that are professionals, that you know, are working jobs where they have more say in in uh, everything around them. Um, but where I come from, I know a lot of people that also don't come from that. And I see the difference. Right. I see the difference in those working the actual $15 an hour jobs. 1565, as John Horgan would really happily say with the new increase. Uh, that's not enough to live in B.C. right now. Right, like I hundred dollars to rent a basement suite somewhere. <laughs> I was very, very poor as a single teen parent. You know, I lived in low income housing for ten years while I was doing my finishing high school and my undergrad degree. And there were times I barely made it. Right, like that—that that we didn't have a lot of food. That I was using the food bank. That you know, we, things were not good. And I truly, Mel, cannot imagine how I would get by if that were the circumstance now. Yeah. I don't know how anybody can. I don't know how our folks on disability are getting by. I just don't know. It's a tragedy that we're treating people this poorly when when they should have the basics to live. It's time for a universal basic, basic income, right? Like we need that, Um and or at least up the living allowance for well, disability. $325 for rent? What? We need what to go universe? with housing first models and, and worry more about housing people than um, having people be able to buy multiple homes, right? Like we need a government that starts to intervene and stop corporations from becoming the BL or end all. But um, instead in BC and Alberta, we have TELUS Healthcare taking over. We have Babylon. We have... Um, you know, my sarcastic, uh, hashtag of, uh, tell us for healthcare workers trademark, you know, like we are seeing this, um, integration of corporate interests into our, um, government systems, which is, you know, Mel, I don't think that that's a great sign of things to come. If I'm honest, you know, corporate fascism is a horrible future. Uh, uh, do you honestly think now, you know, just curious, do you think they're purposely trying to crash our healthcare system so their privatization can come in and do save I the day? think that they sit around at a tiny little table plotting this? No, Mel, I'll never say that. I just don't think that people do that. Um, do I think that there's many people influencing this that have that in mind? Sure. Those same people were already in the picture before, I think. Um, and this is what I said of the pandemic provided an acceleration, right? And now it's an opportunity. It, you know, they're turning this into an opportunity. And we've seen 
family practitioners go to telehealth care and and we're seeing it take over in Alberta as well and why do we have a corporation involved in our healthcare this is so yeah. not good no it's not it's just not we should be aiming for even more separation of private companies and our government when we've seen what's happening in the United States and how much influence is going on with the political systems here but instead of doing that we're marching right into the same situation our conservative party give it five years they're going to be as nuts as Trump's Republican party oh uh, yeah it's already starting to get a little a little like yeah it's it's going there I mean and it's interesting that it's the provinces again that are being run and have affiliations to the GOP. Mm-hmm. Right? We see it happening of how we have the erosion of our public health care system or our public education systems. I mean, I've been tracking it for a long, long time, as well as social media. And you see them selling off our assets our public assets to the highest bidder right and it started in the harper government and it's all documented and guess what van harten's book uh, sold down to yancey um and it's about our lopsided agreement with china and the fipa Mm -hmm. agreement that canada had to sign fun fact when we sold our canadian wheat board to the saudis uh, Stephen Harper was there with Andrew Shear, and they signed that agreement. Guess where? Russia. Where? Oh, Russia. In Russia. Of course. In secret. So, and then those fun facts are all listed in uh, Malcolm Nance's book, and also in Gus Van Harten's book. But the reason why you know this whole uproar with Huawei, right? Cons criticizing Justin Trudeau about why we're still doing business with China when, you know, you have these people with different agendas questioning our prime minister when really he's just upholding a contract that he, he fell into, right? The FIPA holds us accountable to China's economy uh, well into until 2035 or so. They basically have Canada over a barrel. Like they can literally sue Canada in an international court of law if they lose money. We need uh, such a <laughs> reckoning of our government systems. Yeah. Like we're just not, none of our systems are actually interested in helping the people of our country anymore. Like the yeah. working people of our country. Do we need a working revolution? Like a Bolshevik thing? I don't yeah. know, but they, they're they creating their own bourgeoisie. And funny enough, in Chapter 5 in Malcolm Nance's book, The Plot to Destroy Democracy, is all on Putin and Russia. Mm-hmm. And the first thing Putin did when he got in power was to liquidate all the public national assets to create his own oligarchs. The oligarchs, whose super yachts, are now being seized left, right, and center all over Europe and around the world. And they've all fled to the Maldives now to hide out. But... The first thing he did when he went to power was he liquidated all of the people's assets to create the super wealthy. And you see that echoed here in Canada. 
mm-hmm. you know, what they, what they did to our railroad, what they oh, did to and our like, wheat board, like, and the, wow. the, the, the amount of wealth that grew in, during the pandemic in the hands of these people is astounding. Trillions upon trillions and they pay no taxes. <laughs> Right, but the inflation price, like, I, I saw a, a poll on Castanet today, which is the stupidest poll I've seen, which is something saying something for Castanet. <laughs> um, you know, is inflation hurting your budget? And I'm like, do you understand what inflation is? How can it not hurt your budget, you fucking dumbasses? Like, people don't have a choice, those who are impacted the most by it. Like, they're making money to make these corporations float and the fucking people on the ground that are nurses and and teachers can't even afford groceries right now. No. It's ludicrous. The The inflation is, is quite astronomical. And right, I mean, and then John Horgan's up there prices. with his 40 cent raise saying it's great and I'm like, I would love and challenge John Horgan again to live on minimum wage for a year in BC. Please. Please. In Vancouver. Or Kelowna. And and I'm not... I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not trying to be cruel. And it's a poignant comparison. And it needs to be made. John Horgan received excellent treatment during his cancer treatment. He had access to all the best things. He has access to being able to tell people at his job to still wear an appropriate mask. Those things would not have been what happened if he was the person that had cancer that makes $20,000 a year. That person's probably dead. Yeah. Right? Because people don't have access to the things that he had access to or money or time, right? Some people are making minimum wage and have cancer and have to go to fucking work. Yes. Or they get evicted, right? Those are the choices. And people who make these policies do not take into consideration people who make under $300,000 a year. They cannot fathom that there's a population of people that make under 100k a which year. is insane when that's all you've ever known right yeah like when i look at my hometown it's like three hundred thousand dollars a year it seems bonkers like when i grew up houses there like big beautiful houses were like oh just over a hundred thousand dollars like even even as like a phd trained psychologist entry level i will i will maybe make six figures right? Mm-hmm. After uh, 15 years of education or so. And I'm sitting on over $100,000 student loan debt. Yeah, so you're, you're not just zero. <laughs> so, <laughs> just balance uh, it out. <laughs> and the only way you're going to make uh, gargantuan amounts of money is if you already have access to money. That's right. Right? Like, this is sort of the max capacity I could get out of my life based on where I came from like this is the this is the optimal situation for someone that's like a teenage parent from northern BC right to be able to get a PhD and make a hundred thousand dollars a year um, which would make some of these people we're talking about laugh right the, yeah. the the pinnacle of of the existence of somebody like from where I'm from it, it would just make them laugh that John Horgan gave himself a $40,000 raise 
I haven't even made $40,000 a year yet, Mel. I made $32,000 this year as a PhD resident, fully trained on internship. John Horgan made more in his raise than I'm making a full year in practice. Wow. Right. They don't comprehend that. There are people who do, who try to make do with very little and you have very, very much. Mm -hmm. You do not understand how privileged you are. Seriously. And when people don't have that humility, it changes everything well about their life. It changes the way they look at people, the way they treat people, because they truly just don't empathize. They can't take the perspective of those people. And there was actually a question specific to this on the ECCP. I'm studying for my psychology exam about class differentials and that if therapists don't consider the fact of class differences, they're often misassigning um, motivations and sort of thoughts to these people um, that aren't accurate, right? That they're, that they're saying like, they're just not working hard enough for those things. And it's like, no, these people are genuinely poor and you have no idea what that's like to like actually work three jobs, right. Or to be Mm -hmm. so financially distressed and not be able to know if you're going to have to pay or if you're going to have a roof over your head, right. To never actually understand the depth of that fear, um, can cause to real problems even in therapy for therapists if they don't recognize that privilege in which they're coming from. Mary Pole, uh, the difference now in what just happened with them and that they've essentially been wiped from the the planet. Um, and the reason that that's so devastating to me is I was I was listening to so many of the first person accounts during the first week when they were invaded at the end of February, um, and so many of them were in Mary Pole before they were surrounded before this happened and it's overwhelming they rounded up thousands up to go in different locations in russia now there's now footage being shown around social media and some of it's quite graphic of them being abused and punished and these are the same people that have just been rounded up and taken away and if we see intern camps, why would we be surprised when they had documentation stating that they were looking at things like that and when we've overlooked China doing the same thing to the Uyghur population for how long now? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the tons of human hair that <sighs> the the feds in the U.S. seized from those concentration camps yeah. that are being turned into extensions. That's so gross. So gross. Unless for the few activists, it's not in mainstream media. It makes a blip and then it disappears again. You know. Well, why do you think that is, Mel? <laughs> why do you think that nobody paid to the attention to the Uyghur population, but we're paying attention to Ukraine? I have one guess. Uh, because Ukraine people are white. <laughs> yeah, white Slavic people, right? Yeah. They look Slavic like people. a lot of people that are watching the news and they finally start to identify with it. Whereas many activists have been yelling appropriately that how many wars have been going on and how many people have we been watching die at the hands of our own bombs as well. And we're just uh, now paying attention to war. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, the footage of the children drown on the coast in Aleppo that the Syrians that that doesn't like what did we just all forget that happened? Like, come well, on. And again, even Afghanistan. Yeah. Right. Like 
that we knew that these things were happening and we we did what people always do, which is make excuses. Or that it was necessary or that we were helping them or that we were doing those things. I mean, people are forgetting that Afghanistan is still is still abandoned over there, like that there's still horrific things happening to the people over there. The women and children over there. Right? You built them up for a decade, told them to go to university, and then next thing they know, the fucking Taliban outruns everything. The U.S. pulled out, and now here we are, sending all this stuff to Ukraine to help them, while Afghanistan just got, you know, I rarely use this word to describe it, but I think it's apt here. They just got raped by by Russia and then the United States, that we just did the same thing back-to-back to them abandon them and and just watch the the outcomes yeah wow that was a depressing long episode but hey (laughs) that's the state of the world right now mel yeah we're uh it's heavy it's heavy you know yeah while pretending it's not heavy is not helping anybody right no no the Pretending that the pandemic is over is not going to help you or your loved ones. And having the choice to pretend is a fucking privilege. And that's what everybody needs to realize is that it's okay to self-care, right? It's okay to take breaks. And I do that all the time. It's not okay to pretend that people aren't paying the price for our life. Because they are. And I go forth with my life every day knowing and appreciating that fact. Uh, not appreciating the sense of liking it, appreciating the sense of trying to have gratitude for every day I have Earthside because people are paying the price for me to be here and the least I can do is try to make it livable for everybody else here. And that's why we rat all the cages, right? Yeah. And we make people who are willing to listen to reason uncomfortable. I'm sorry you're uncomfortable, but... You got to get a little uncomfortable. We're all very uncomfortable right now. Well, and and discomfort can't outweigh the lives of people. And that's the problem that white society has already had, is that we continue to place the feelings of society and our, our, our uh, white culture, whatever the fuck that means these days. Uh, that discomfort is placed above literally the suffering and lives of other people. It's an ongoing theme. I mean, did you know the first or the last human zoo was closed in 1958? They had black children as exhibits that you could feed. Oh, Mel. Yeah. The last human zoo closed in 1958. That actually makes me feel nauseous. Yeah. We are not not as evolved as we think we are. And we're not. We're not. That's the thing is like these same tropes that they use to do those things are the same tropes they're using now right those same racist things is the same dog whistles we're seeing it all and this is where north america has been pivoting towards is this individualism and and uh reverse racism white culture needs to fight back because it's disappearing good Get the fuck out. <laughs> but that's all massive dog whistle. That's a hypersonic uh, dog whistle. Because seriously. We're they're, they're, <sighs> yes. Okay. And we'll talk about that next episode. Let's let's talk about that next episode. Yes. How racist Canada is. How about that? We'll do that. 
have a, a discussion too about everything going on with indigenous peoples and the continued sort of uh, police existence in many of their areas and the continued growing numbers of children's bodies that continue to be discovered that people have again decided that they stop paying attention to because it's not popular to wear the orange shirt right now so they're not doing it anymore apparently so they don't care about the lives uh, it's been, the number's over 10,000 did you know that? it's 11,000 now because these people uh, have become so self-involved about making sure they get the normal back that apparently they've forgotten about all the tragedy that we're supposed to care about and all that matters now is getting normal back. Because you are inconvenienced by being asked to wear a mask to go get your latte. Right. And I'll come at my own therapist uh, field here because a lot of psychologists here would um, meet me back with the like, we have to focus what's in our control and we have to, you know, keep our own well-being. Yeah, we do. We still have to be fucking honest and call the shit out that's going on because everything about psychology teaches us uh, that being honest about what the situation is at is always going to be the better option. Yeah. And framing masking as anxiety now. Oh my goodness. Right. And when you tell someone something, of course, they're going to ride off with it in the sense that you provided that as an ample basis for it. Right. That's why we're supposed to fight back against fascism loudly. So we don't put a foot in the door to allow fascists to take over. Mm -hmm. Right. If someone comes to my rally with a uh, Nazi flag, I'm going to say you're going to get out or my rally's going to just end because I'm not going to be seen with somebody carrying a Nazi flag. No, because if someone shows up at your rally with a Nazi flag, guess what? You If you still stay there, you're at a fucking <laughs> Nazi rally. That's what it's turned into. Right. And those are those are questions and things that we need to deal with in society. And by we, I mean uh, white society in particular of um, this fragility that we're having about uh, not being important enough anymore. Because if I hear one more white man talk about reverse racism mel i just can't you know like i can't it's so toxic the the it's fact toxic. that people don't know the difference between racism and prejudice is again a failure of our systems yeah right that People don't understand the difference between those systemic factors and individual incidents of prejudice, again, is uh, a, a cross-up between are we not communicating or people just don't want to hear the lesson, right? Yeah, and but, you guys can say, well, yeah, you guys are just big virtue signalers, you know, you, so what do they call well, us? Well, I'm, I'm called all those sorts of names and like woke and all that, but you know what? Warriors. I live my values every day, Right. And and anybody that's followed me on Twitter certainly knows that by now after watching me since the pandemic started is that I stand by what I say. I say things honestly. Um, and, and most of that has not changed. I am willing to change when I have evidence to suggest to me I should, right? Like that's mm -hmm. what any good scientist should do. Um, but we just, we need to start being honest about what's happening and the systemic problems in our systems or we're never going to fix them. So mm. I'm always going to be that unpopular person that makes everybody a little bit uncomfortable by calling out the truth in a in a an accessible way, which makes everybody very uncomfortable. And I'm I'm okay with that, right? Like I've started to make peace with that because <laughs> we need people that are willing to do that and sort of uh, make the room a little bit uncomfortable by saying the thing that nobody wants to say because that's what starts the discussion and that's what starts change. Okay. So.
we'll talk about it more next time and talk about what we can do in Canada to do a little bit better. Sounds good. Until next time, thanks again for listening. Yeah. And good night.